Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. If the audio is not up to par, uh, it is because I'm recording in a new way. Uh, it's just a little bit more convenient. I'm not using my regular microphone. I'm using kind of like a more portable one, um, and I'm just doing this honestly just because uh, I'm fucking tired. It's been a long-ass month, and uh, I don't want to go out to my usual little recording studio and do it just because uh, that's just it's just a lot. I'm fucking tired, and I'm recording this at 10 o'clock on the uh, work day, so I have to get up at 6 o'clock tomorrow and uh, get all all my kids get going so I'm just, just doing this out of simplicity simplicity sake so uh, if you noticed you know we missed an episode and the reason being is because uh, you know had uh, some family medical stuff I had to take care of a family member that went, went surgery wife started a new job uh, so just a lot of shit going on but um, I'm sure things will eventually slow the fuck down but uh, until then I'm going to just keep on banging it out, especially with this uh, new kind of portable way. Uh, I can do this kind of wherever I can carry my laptop, so it'll be a little bit easier. <clears throat> so anyway, let's go ahead and start getting the house rules in order uh, so we can start getting into the main segment. So uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and check out our social media. We're everywhere at 2alifestyle.com, except for Instagram, 2 is spelled out, uh, T-W-O-A lifestyle. Everywhere else, it's just the number 2A lifestyle. Go ahead and check us out and see what we're up to in between podcast episodes. I appreciate uh, a couple people reaching out, saying how they enjoy the show. So I appreciate uh, all the, the goodwill and, and uh, the good good uh, vibes people send me, saying how they do like the show. So I appreciate that. Uh, I am probably going to be starting another podcast episode with Mike. Um, maybe I can get Mike on a little bit more regularly back on here. But I'm going to be, if you like conspiracies, because like I've said, on my uh, Facebook page, some people were talking, like, if you want to get me talking, uh, you know, talk about guns, motorcycles, conspiracy theories, uh, those those are my fucking jam. Like, that shit, I could just drill on over, you know, for hours. So, uh, I'll be releasing some details when that comes out as well. Uh, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe. That is the best way to keep up when new podcast episodes are coming out. So, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And if you can, please leave us a review. Is the best way for people to find us when they're looking for gun-related content on their podcast platforms. Uh, you can just leave a five-star review on Spotify. If you leave us a review on iTunes, please just type just like one little sentence out. That's the best way people, uh, you know, can find us. You know, iTunes, you know, doesn't really count uh, five stars uh, without any language in the review versus five stars with just like a sentence in there. So if you uh, can leave us a review on iTunes, just make sure you leave us just a quick like one sentence uh, review. Greatly appreciate it. Patreon also, if you guys enjoy the podcast, anything you give us on Patreon goes directly back into the show. It goes directly into publishing the show. Uh, it goes into you know different equipment like this little portable mic that I got uh, just to make things a little bit easier to record. Uh, you know, it's not something a pocket. So anything you guys give us on Patreon, I greatly appreciate it. Also, you're going to be getting some extras uh, on Patreon. So go ahead and check that out. And finally, uh, go ahead and tell your friends about this podcast. If you have friends that listen to podcasts 
and they like guns, tell us about it. That's the best way, honestly, on top of leaving a review uh, for other people to find us. So anything you guys, you know, if you guys got some friends that listen to podcasts and they're interested in gun stuff, tell us about them. Uh, you know, shoot, us, shoot them a link saying uh, what we're about and uh, people can find us. So with that, let's go ahead and start getting to the show. know the first thing we're always going to be talking about in podcasts is the shooting sports because the shooting sports is what keeps uh you know interest in shooting and firearms internationally and it is the best way for people to be ambassadors uh of the shooting community to people that aren't really into shooting uh or firearms but they see people do cool shit in shooting competitions and they think it's pretty cool so you know, that's a good way to get them interested into the shooting, you know, shooting scene. So, uh, first article comes to us from Amalan. <coughs> pardon me, and its title is "Federal Shooter Vincent Hancock Takes Home Two Medals." <coughs> ah, I had to get a little something sip down my throat to to calm it down. Anyway, so yeah, federal shooter, uh, you know, federal ammunition is a sponsor of many shooters across the country. Yeah, Vincent Hancock, anyway, who is a federal shooter. He's also a three-time Olympic gold medalist and a four-time world champion. Uh, He won two silver medals at the 2022 International Shooting Sports Federation World Championship in Osijek, Croatia. Uh, Anyway, he brought the silver medal home in men's individual skeet and silver medal in men's team skeet with U.S. teammates Dustin Taylor and Kristen Elliott. That's cool shit. Definitely want to give those people uh, the dues that they earn because, you know, that's cool as hell that shooting is their full-time job. And to be able to do good and represent the United States on an international stage is amazing. The next article is also from Amelin. Its title is Team JP Shooter Jesse Misko is the new RCSA Rimfire World Champion. Uh, So Jesse Misko from the JP Enterprises shooting team claimed the championship title at the 2022 Rimfire World Championship in both open and limited divisions. Uh, And he was shooting with his JP Enterprises JP-15 rimfire conversion uh, and this was the rcsa world championship uh, it's a very premier and very competitive rimfire match uh, you know he's only shot his first rimfire challenge match three and a half years ago and yesterday he walked out as the rcsa world championship so that is pretty fucking amazing that's really cool uh, he said he spent countless hours of mental and physical practice uh, that went into it and he was using a AR platform rimfire, which also 
breaks the dominance of the Ruger 1022, which is kind of the gold standard for rimfire uh, shooting. So that is, that's pretty fucking awesome. So let's go ahead and start getting into some uh, pretty crazy stuff, some some interesting stuff. Uh, this article comes to us from Ballistic, and its title is Will Elon Musk Acquisition of Twitter Bring Positive to a Change? Now, this is something that I've been looking into because obviously social media is kind of a big part of any sort of content creator, you know, platform. Uh, you got to have some social media to put yourself out there. Uh, obviously, right now, the biggest thing that I have is Facebook. Uh, you know, on Facebook, I got over 17,000 followers. Instagram, uh, don't have, a, you know, I have just under 1,000. Uh, you know, by the way, if you have Instagram, like I said, go ahead and check us out and give us a follow. Uh, greatly appreciate it there. We post a lot on Instagram and Facebook. You know, we're on all the other social medias as well. We're on, like I said, we're on Twitter, MeWe, um, Parler, uh, Truth, Social, all that stuff. And I've been going back and forth on those other platforms. Uh, you know, not as active on those other platforms as I am on Facebook and Instagram. Just because those are kind of the gold standard. Um, and also on TikTok as well. Uh, but, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time to create video content as well. Uh, because I, you know, I have a TikTok and a YouTube page, and I want to obviously get more into video content creation. But anyway, going back to the story, um, so a lot of people have noticed, you know, since Elon Musk first announced that he was buying Twitter a few weeks ago, that things have changed in the throttling of their accounts. Uh, a lot more people are getting uh, more followers. You know, and it has been debated on what the reason for that is a lot of people are saying maybe a lot more people are going to twitter or going back to twitter uh just based on the fact that uh you know since elon musk stated that he's going to be buying it they figured that it may be more of a fair platform than facebook and instagram you know facebook obviously uh was kind of like the gold standard Maybe seven or eight years ago, you know, everybody was on Facebook. Facebook didn't really fuck with people. Uh, but then Facebook started fucking with people, and then Instagram was the main platform. And Instagram is still um, a pretty big platform, especially for the farms community. Uh, and But, you know, especially since Facebook bought Instagram and a lot of the fucking horse shenanigans that happen on Facebook is starting to happen on Instagram. Uh, and it's just different rules to reach people uh, on Facebook is versus Instagram. You know, on Facebook, if you use hashtags, uh, Facebook really doesn't, um, doesn't promote it. I guess you could say it doesn't really get into their algorithm to be in your followers, uh, you know, feed, and also it's not really in, uh, you know, very discoverable. And But with Instagram, Instagram, you know, hashtags are a big thing. Hashtags, you know, help you get discovered more. Uh, you know, the post I've had on Instagram, uh, when I used hashtags, they, you know, were more, you know, reached towards more people. And, and Twitter is very much the same way. So with Elon Musk uh, going towards, uh, you know, it, it became official this past week. He purchased and acquired in, uh, Twitter. And since then, he has 
you know, fired a lot of the top executives at Twitter. And, you know, it's a good thing in my opinion. I really do because those people on Twitter, and we have seen this as well. And actually that's a story I'm going to go ahead and cover uh, after this is uh, we've seen that um, the government is now, uh, you know, go, going out and getting with the uh, social media companies to, you know, to, I, I don't know how you could describe it, honestly. It, it's different. It's, uh, you know, whether it's removing things, whether it's making sure that things that are not uh, friendly to the narrative uh, by the administration is not as discovered in the algorithm for social media. Uh, and that article, if you haven't seen it, this is something I posted on social media. It's from The Intercept. And this is from several leaked memos and also from several FOIA requests. Uh, they have seen that there has been years of internal Department of Homeland Security memos, emails, and documents uh, stating that there has been an expansive effort to influence tech platforms. And it, not even just influence. I mean, these tech platforms have created portals for the government to go into to remove certain content, you know, and that is government sanctioned censorship. That is fucking against the United States Constitution. But we've seen these politicians really don't give a fuck about the Constitution, especially when it comes to the Second Amendment. So what matters, you know, if it's the First Amendment as well? And that's something that I just don't see how the progressives uh, don't see the danger in what they're doing because, you know, I've said this to many people, and I will say this again. You know, just because you can do it now when your ideas and your party is in power doesn't mean you should do it because you're not always going to be in power. Sometime, you know, down the road, the pendulum always swings, and the other party or the opposition gets into power, and you have set that precedent for them to do the exact same thing. So with Elon Musk now acquiring Twitter, I think you're going to see a lot more uh, gun content creators, maybe companies, whatever it may be, are going to start pushing their social media on Twitter a little bit more because they think that possibly it could be more beneficial to could be finally more of a, a free speech platform. And you're seeing Elon Musk doing some things that might show that he's bringing a lot of people that have been permanently banned on Twitter back on Twitter. And he's gotten rid of the lifetime band. You know, if you go against Twitter community guidelines, uh, you're not getting the automatic lifetime band. You're just getting uh, a certain time, you know, banned from the platform, which is is a step in the right direction, especially in the way that they've come. And then, uh, you know, but there's also some things that I think, you know, are really, I don't see it being, a hundred percent positive. Uh, he's kept around one individual and I can't think of the name of the person off the top of my head. I did a lot of research, um, just outside the show. And I've, you know, I've discovered 
you know, different things. Uh, there was one gentleman that was actually a part of the government's disinformation board that we've talked about before, uh, and he works at Twitter. He has still got a job there, uh, but he's also like a sniveling little fucking weasel, and I can see him maybe being the person that kept a lot of the information in regards to the censorship at Twitter and just kind of like gave it over to Musk to save his own neck. Uh, you know, Musk has stated privately and it's been leaked that he's planning on cutting 75% of Twitter employees. Uh, and I think that's a good thing because you pretty much need a clean house at these tech companies to affect any sort of real change. So I'm very interested to see what is going to happen with this. And we will definitely be updated, you know, keep, well, you can keep an update for yourself. Go to Twitter, see what you can find, see what changes you yourself see. So let's go on into the next article. Uh, next article is going to come to us from Ballistic as well. Uh, and its title is The Range Access Act, a free public shooting range in every national forest. Now, I think this is some pretty good shit. Um, you know, if you haven't gone to a, uh, you know, a lot of people don't have access to shooting ranges. They don't have the money. They don't have the know-how. Uh, a lot of times where you live, you know, the only shooting ranges that are available are for private clubs. And a lot of people, you know, don't want to pay those yearly dues or they don't want to, uh, you know, make that sort of commitment. Um, you know, the best shooting range in my area is a club range. Uh, and I'm a member of that club. Uh, but I wasn't a member for that club for a long freaking time just because of the fact that, you know, it's the yearly commitment. You got to and especially my club, my fucking club only accepts check or cashier's check for their the dues you know you can't pay with a fucking debit card uh you always got to sign updated rules and shit like that uh there's lots of fuds there that will uh bitch about you for doing you know shit that is non-consequential but they think that it's dangerous and you know oh you're moving while shooting you know you're fucking you know shooting from behind a barrel whatever the fuck it is you know they're always want to bitch about something so uh you know but free shooting ranges at national forests are a great tool for people to go out and enjoy shooting and it's definitely something that i think that the government needs to invest you know our money if they're going to fucking take our tax money they might as well go ahead and do something useful with it there's you know there's nothing that we can do to stop them from taking our, our money you know our paychecks every time you get paid in taxes so you might as well do something useful to it so this bill is introduced by congressman Blake Moore from Utah uh, and he is introducing the range access Access Act, and if passed, the bill promises to provide a free public shooting range in every national forest and Bureau of Land Management district. Now, this is awesome, I think, and especially, I think, um, with this bill, uh, you could probably also improve on current ranges. I know in my uh, local uh, national forest, they do have a shooting range there. Uh, and it's been a long time since I went, uh, cause this was obviously like way before I joined my hunting or my shooting club. And the range was pretty des you know, it, it was just really 
just fucking broke down. It's like, you know, some wooden tables. Uh, a lot of them had broken boards in them. Uh, a lot of them were rusted. Uh, there was absolute just fucking gobs of shells around the tables because nobody picked up their brass. Uh, there was like dumb shit people shot that they were just left on the range. Uh, the range was just a, a big fucking berm, um, uh, you know, a heap of dirt. No telling when was the last time uh, the berm has, has been cleared of lead. But um, they just redid the range, and I haven't gone out there since then. I probably should. I'm, I'm planning on doing a camping trip, which is something that I am uh, going to talk about a little bit later uh, in that national forest. So definitely some, some good stuff happening, and you should definitely talk to your congressman to have this uh, pushed for Some not-so-good stuff. Uh, this comes to us from Ameland. Its title is New Jersey Carry Killer Bill Bans Way More Than Handguns. Uh, obviously, New Jersey never wants to be outdone when it comes to infringements. So this bill, which is A4769 and S3124, uh, they are wanting to ban hundreds of common tools used throughout society, uh, bans knives at restaurants, scalpels and hospitals, utility knives everywhere, bans axes, hammers, screwdrivers, nail guns, heavy tools. It bans baseball bats, hockey sticks, golf clubs, Mops, brooms, bricks, lumber, bans chainsaws, free weights, tire irons, pens, and pencils. Bans anything that could be misused to inflict serious harm. So with this far-reaching and, you know, crazy bill, uh, it is just basically makes everything illegal. Which, this is exactly what fucking, you know, communist countries do, especially you know, Soviet era communism, you know, what they do is they make everything illegal. So that way, whenever you do something that makes them upset, uh, you know, it's like the old adage, you know, they say like the average person commits like what, four or six felonies a day, something like that. Uh, you know, they want to make everything illegal. So that way, whenever you step out of line and you do something that they don't want you to do, you're going to get charged with something. And that's exactly what authoritarian governments do. They make everything illegal. So that way, when you get sideways with they can come at you for some BS that you did not even know was illegal. You know, it's like the old adage, if you have a baseball bat in the trunk, you better keep a glove in there. Well, this doesn't even save you from that. So this is the kind of shit that progressives that want to infringe on your rights are going to do. Speaking of infringements, we're going to talk about a crazy case involving the ATF. This also comes to us from Amelan. Its title is Navy Sailor Convicted of Violating the NFA in an Absurd Case. Uh, this particular incident occurred when a Virginia military member uh, was convicted of selling a machine gun and having destructive devices. Uh, this person is a decorated Navy sailor and acting on information from a confidential informant, they arrested him for transferring a machine gun and having destructive devices. Uh, the confidential informant approached the sailor to see if he could broker a deal for a demilled MG42 kit listed on gun broker by an FFL. This sailor ran a small business dealing in firearm parts, and he worked out the deal with the seller and paid for the demilled kit. So if you don't know what demilled is, so demilled is 
uh, a way that people can bring firearms into the country from from obviously outside the country. And what they do is they do something to that firearm to make it to where that firearm can be no longer usable. Uh, in some cases, they cut up the barrel, they cut holes in the receiver. Uh, there's different ways that you can do it, but majority of the time what it is is they destroy the barrel in some form or fashion. So after this, you know, he then gave the uh, MG42 kit uh, with, you know, to the confidential foreman and collected the money plus a small fee for brokering the deal. And since you know the sailor assumed the MG42 kit that was sold on gun broker, gun broker, Jesus. It was legal to own, and the MG42 kit only had a single saw cut uh, of the three torch cuts as laid out on the ATF's website. So this was completely legal, according to the ATF. So the ATF raided uh, the sailor and arrested him for transferring a machine gun. And while searching his house, they also found a demilled RPG uh, that he'd purchased from a flea market for $40, while stationed in California. Uh, the RPG did not have a trigger group and had a hole cut on the side of the tube. This is all stuff that you can get from uh, you know, a gun show as, as props and shit. So uh, the ATF sent the RPG to Martinsburg where they were able to patch the hole and install a trigger group. Uh, the ATF examiner took the completed RPG and test fired a 7.62 round from a training grenade. Uh, and since the ATF could convert the demailed RPG into a working device, they charged him for having a destructive device as well. Uh, so all this is basically uh, stuff that the ATF had to fix to be able to get it to work. You know, yeah, I mean, you can buy a busted up vehicle and, you know, buy it and it'll have a salvage title and you could fix it and get you know, turn that salvage title into a regular title, but that doesn't change the fact that the car was fucking wrecked whenever you purchased it. So this is just some crazy shit. So despite the absurdity of the government's case, uh, this poor sailor was found guilty of transferring a machine gun and having destructive devices. Uh, and he was taken into custody and the revocation of his bond uh, was surprised. Most people believe that he was not a flight risk and they would be able to remain out on bond until sentence. He has uh, launched an appeal after the sentencing and is currently raising money for his legal defense. If you want to check it out, it's at Give, Send, Go. So that, that's just fucking insane. You know, people are losing their fucking minds for this. I, I, I can't believe the ATF did that shit. It, you know, it, it's just utterly insane. And it just goes to show they're trying to make examples out of people. Going on to the next story. It also comes to us from Emmeland. It's titled, as Hawaii Court Dismisses Two Farm Charges Citing Brewing Decision. Now, this is a little bit of uh, shining light in a dark cloud based off of the last story. So, anyway, on December 6, 2017, about an hour before midnight, Maui police were called about suspected trespassers on a trail controlled by Flynn, uh, flying Hawaii zip lines. Uh, the police did not explore the trail to look for the trespassers. They just instead waited for the owner of the business, who was armed with an AR-15-style rifle, to search and locate those accused of trespassing. 
But he was charged with keeping a firearm in an improper place and a misdemeanor, misdemeanor charge of keeping ammunition in an improper place, and he was arrested. Uh, upon the information from the accused trespassers, the owner and police searched again and brought out uh, Christopher Wilson, uh, who had a 22 caliber handgun in his waistband, and Wilson was later arrested as well. Anyway, so over four years and, and eight months, the trial judge, Kingston Hammond, who uh, they dismissed the felony charge for keeping a fireman in a proper place and the misdemeanor for keeping ammunition in a uh, improper place, citing the Bruin decision. So an inquiry from the public defender uh, was set at, you know, set motions, might have kept the case from going to trial, did not receive apply in time. So basically, you know, the public defender after the Bruin decision, and I guess probably after maybe hearings or having a conversation with the judge, Decided, hey, this isn't going to go our way. We don't want to set any precedent. Um, but they didn't, you know, submit it in time. And the judge threw these out. So that's good stuff. Hopefully we can keep seeing judges making the right constitutional decisions for this. Uh, next story comes to us from Ameland. Civilian gun club sues Fort Devens for violating constitutional rights. Uh, so a small civilian rifle club. Uh, just 50 miles northwest of Boston, is suing Fort Devens for violating federal law, granting them access to military rifle ranges at reasonable rates. So the gun club ultimately says, obviously, the current administration is responsible, and there's a little-known U.S. code section that requires the Army to make rifle and pistol ranges available for civilian use as long as it does not interfere with military training, and it prohibits officials from charging exorbitant fees for range access. Another federal statute requires the Army to provide logistical support to the CMP, and the Fort Devens Rifle and Pistol Club is an affiliate of the CMP. So, for decades, uh, the club members were, all, you know, be able to use a ride away of the ride wide array. That's a hard word for me to say. It's getting late. So, using a wide array of the rifle and pistol ranges free of charge, club members surprised their own targets ammunition, RSOs, and other supplies. They even police the brass, and obviously probably a lot of people there were veterans. So just days after the election uh, in 2020, the club was notified that they would have to start paying a minimum of $250 per range and that the fees would increase based on the total number of shooters. So they submitted a four request. Uh, lo and behold, they found out that it was basically them trying to um, get them out uh, of using the ranges, so they are ending up suing uh, Fort Devens in regards to this. So they have obviously set up a Give, Send, Go account as well because just the four-year request alone uh, cost them about $1,100, and it's going to keep on rising, especially with the attorney's fees. Uh, they have a goal of $50,000, and they've only gotten $840 so far. So go ahead and check out their Gives, Give, Send, Go account. And if you can, donate them some money. That'd be much appreciated. Next article from Ameland as well. Federal court rules, federal law making serialized guns a crime, un or guns a crime unconstitutional. So a uh, federal district court in West Virginia ruled that a federal law that makes it a crime to possess a firearm with an altered, obliterated, or removed serial number is unconstitutional under the new Bruin decision. 
So the decision was entered on U.S. versus Randy Price. In July 2019, a local law enforcement in Charleston, West Virginia, made a traffic stop. During the stop, the local police discovered that there was a handgun in the vehicle with an obliterated serial number. Uh, one of the federal crimes charges that arose from this uh, was obviously uh, a possession of a altered, obliterated, or removed serial number. And the judge ended up getting this case and said that based on the brewing decision that the Supreme Court of the United States determined that all lower courts had been incorrect in applying means and scrutiny, which standard likely would have found the federal prohibition of possession of fear of firearms with obliterated serial numbers uh, to be unconstitutional. So with this, uh, he said, you know, rather than balancing any government interest, no matter how important the interest may be in a modern society, you know, the Supreme Court reaffirmed it with Bruin and Heller. So this just goes on and on and on and on about just the judge just butt-fucking uh, this law, which is a good thing because, you know, before the 60s, um, you know, guns didn't have to have serial numbers. And, you know, now we're seeing with home manufacturing of firearms that the government is trying to get out of place, and especially with 3D-printed firearms, you know, they're making it just absolutely insane for people to be able to do this at their home and with federal judges like this i am interested to see what's going to happen for things that are happening with like atf and new rule changes for homemade firearms and such next article from Amland as well uh 2a attorney adam kraut named executive director of the second amendment foundation now if you aren't familiar with who adam kraut is adam kraut is a pretty cool dude uh he is a little bit you know of the younger generation than most uh you know common names i guess you could say for second amendment advocates in the legal side um adam kraut became famous first off when he was running for the nra board of directors some years back actually about like when we first started the show like, like a little bit before we first started this podcast and uh you know he ran twice unsuccessfully for the nra board of directors he was really trying to bring positive change to the nra uh but the nra just kept fucking him over uh when it came to the board of directors uh elections so uh ultimately adam kraut at first, he was working with the Farms Policy Coalition, and he did a lot of good stuff there. And the Farms Policy Coalition, um, you know, is still a great organization, in my opinion, but they're doing a lot of kind of dumb, shady shit that the NRA is doing, a lot of scare tactics. Uh, they've made some hires that a lot of people are considering questionable uh, in regards to people that worked at the NRA. Now that they work with the FPC. So with Adam Kraut going to the Second Amendment Foundation, uh, that kind of shows to me that the Second Amendment Foundation uh, is probably one of the better um, organizations out there. You know, the Second Amendment Foundation has done a lot of good stuff in regards to Second Amendment advocacy. They do a lot of good litigation work. Uh, and I do believe that, you know, Adam Kraut going there is a good thing for the Second Amendment. So I'm happy to see that he is still staying active. I'm happy to see that he is going to another organization and he's probably going to make that organization just as great as he did the Farms Policy Coalition. And I'm really looking forward to see what he's going to do there at SAF. The next 
case uh, is, or I'm sorry, the next story is from Amland, and its title is Bump Stock Court Case Coming Up, Cargill versus Garland. Um, and on October 3rd, the Supreme Court denied a writ of certiori uh, to two promising bump stock cases, one in the 10th Circuit, another in the 6th Circuit. The appeals process for these two cases is done. But there is another uh case coming up, which is Cargill versus Garland, uh, coming from the Fifth Circuit, and it may tip the balance. It was filed March 25th, 2019. In all three cases, the arguments are not about the segment. They're about the ability of bureaucrats to make law and separation powers between the legislative and executive branches. Um, the In this particular case, it is also supported by the new Civil Liberties Alliance, and obviously the district court ruled in favor for the government, and the three-judge panel at the Fifth Circuit upheld the district court. And the Fifth Circuit was asked to consider the case uh, in banc, which is to say before the entire court, but uh, by a member of the court, but uh, a majority of the members of the Fifth Circuit agreed to hear the case. But anyway, so the case uh, is followed by the GOA case in the Sixth Circuit, and uh, the in banc was heard September 13, 2022, and they also ruled in for the government as well. You know, and I'm interested to see how this is going to go. Uh, we've seen two bump stock cases get shot down by the Supreme Court, basically saying that they're not going to hear it. Uh, now, now, that doesn't mean that they agree with what the lower court said. Uh, you know, if you listen to Ryan Kleckner and some other good 2A advocates uh, that are in the legislative field, uh, in the litigation field, they talk about how the Supreme Court, you know, what they do is they look for the best case to hear. You know, it they may not agree with the lower court's decision, but they may see that the case itself is not an ideal case for what they're looking uh, to overturn. So it is something that hopefully this is another case that they don't shoot down, um, that this may be the case that they've been looking for, uh, but time will tell. It's not promising that they've turned down two cases, but I'm not as intimately familiar with all the bump stock litigation, and I hope that Supreme Court will be able to take this because the bump stock is not only something that goes for the Second Amendment. It goes against, uh, you know, the government's right to take your property without due compensation, and that's what happened in bump stocks. In bump stocks, you know, thousands of people uh, lost private property in what was, you know, they paid for, and they didn't get properly compensated for that. So. I'd be interested to see where this case goes. Next case, or next, God, I keep saying case. Uh, well, but it is a case as well. Next article, also from MLAN, Rare Breed Triggers and Big Daddy Unlimited Settle Patent Infringement Case. Now, this is another story that we've talked about before in the past. Uh, if you are unfamiliar, Rare Breed Triggers came out with the FRT-15, uh, which was a forced reset trigger for your AR-15, and, you know, we've talked about this on two different occasions, you know, two different types of um, news stories, one being uh, this particular, uh, you know, incident where Big Daddy Unlimited basically stole 
Rare Breed Triggers design, and they started selling it themselves uh, under something different. And then we've talked about how the ATF uh, has unjustly changed their opinion and now saying force reset triggers are considered machine guns. So, uh, but anyway, Big Daddy Limited, the pieces of shit they are, uh, were sued for in, uh, patent infringement. And on October 19th, the two parties entered into consent, consent judgment after months of court battles. Uh, so basically what they said, and you know, this is kind of like a bullshit settlement because Big Daddy Limited is not selling force reset triggers anymore just because of the fact that ETF is, you know, going after these as machine guns. So they're not going to risk their business to try and, uh, you know, sell these they're going to stop selling these and not be on the ATS crosshairs for this so it's it's this is kind of really a bullshit thing that Big Daddy Limited is doing uh, but they said they are going to uh, uh, what am I trying to I'm sorry y'all I'm getting fucking tired uh, Big Daddy Limited is, is going to pay uh, an amount of money to rare breed triggers uh, it is not going to be disclosed on how much they're going to pay. Um, the also are going to uh, stop selling. I think it's called the Alamo 15, which is what their force re trigger reset trigger is. But anyway, uh, next story comes to us from KMOV4, uh, and its title is "Confusion Arises Over Missouri Gun Laws Following Governor Parsons at the St. Louis." So, uh, if you are familiar. There was a recent school shooting in St. Louis, and uh, a lot of people are upset because Missouri is a little bit more gun-friendly than most states, but, you know, uh, it could easily go the other way because St. Louis uh, and Kansas City are, or, you know, well, like the metro, anyway, in, fucking... The metros, I guess you could say, of, of Missouri, um, really can control that state uh, politically. And, uh, you know, I don't want to see another state lose, you know, their Second Amendment privileges because of just the metropolises of that state. So anyway, uh, the governor uh, made comments, uh, created which created even more questions when he claimed local police departments have the authority to temporarily seize a firearm from somebody who they is deemed mentally ill. And the St. Louis uh, Metropolitan Police Department communicated to the press that they didn't have clear authority to take the school shooter's gun when officers responded to his home days before the shooting because Missouri does not have red flag laws. So uh, it is a lot of people are, are confused in thinking, you know, it, does Missouri have some sort of undercover red flag laws or is the governor supporting red flag laws in Missouri, which we've gone over red flag laws on the podcast before. Uh, red flag laws are very abusive. Uh, they can be misused and they are an easy way for people to have their rights violated. Going on into the next story as well. Uh, this comes to us from AL.com and this is uh, my particular neck of the woods. Alabama State Parks dropping rule requiring written permission for firearms. So beforehand, uh, what you had to do is you had to have a, uh, a written permission to carry uh, firearms to state parks from the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And this is going to take place uh, January 1st. 
and they announced this change uh, citing a legislature's repeal of Alabama requirement for a permit to carry a concealed gun. So they're just basically going on with what the, the new constitutional carry law is for Alabama, which this is good stuff because, you know, Alabama has a lot of wildlife. Um, you know, we have wild hogs. Uh, we're having black bears come back into the state. Uh, and we're even having some mountain lions come into the state. But, you know, obviously, you know, there's a lot of two-legged critters uh, that like to hang out into the um, woods to do nefarious activities like making meth labs, um, just other shit. So it's good stuff that that is now being taken care of. Uh, this next article comes to us from NPR. And obviously this is like a, a more of a one-sided um, article, but its title is Buying Guns in Oregon Could Become More Difficult if Voters Pass Ballot Measure. So Oregon obviously is not a very gun-friendly state, um, and they're going to ask voters uh, in the next election cycle uh, if they're going to increase restrictions on guns. And if passed, the ballot measure would require more people who want to buy a gun to pay a fee, take a safety course, submit fingerprints, and pass a background check to ob obtain a permit. Uh, they would also have a what they consider a high-capacity magazine ban, which is anything that holds 10 or more rounds. So you can't even have 10 rounds. you got to have 9 or less, which is absolutely fucking insane. This would make Oregon uh, have some of the most restrictive gun laws in the United States. And, um, you know, experts are saying that the ballot measures process doesn't generally involve the compromises and capitulations that usually accompany the legislative process of passing law, which is just bullshit because, like I said, you have these, you know, metro uh, areas basically controlling the whole state. Yeah, I understand your city sucks because it's run by progressive politicians uh, and they create these high-crime areas, uh, but you don't have to punish the rest of the state for y'all's poor decisions. Next article comes to us from CNN, uh, and its title is Former Philadelphia Sheriff's Deputy Charged with Selling Guns Illegally, Including Two Previously Used in Fatal Shooting of Teen. And this is just absolutely fucking insane. Uh, and I just put this out here just because even as law enforcement myself, uh, I definitely know there are shit people in law enforcement, and you got to highlight the shit bags. Uh, this former Philadelphia sheriff... Uh, um, was, you know, traced in selling a firearm uh, that was used in a deadly shooting that left a 14-year-old and other four... He left a 14-year-old dead and other and four other juveniles wounded. So he's basically giving these firearms to fucking kids. They're going to go out and do gang shit. So, and he was a four-year veteran of the Philadelphia Sheriff's Office. Uh, he was only terminated from his employment October 19th which is right about when he was arrested by federal agents. So it's not like he was a former Philadelphia County Sheriff, and then he did this some months or years later. Uh, he was doing this while he was employed with the Philadelphia County Sheriff's Office. He obtained the guns. Uh, how he obtained the guns is under investigation, um, but I'm very curious if these are guns that he took off of someone else and then he just sold them on the street. Uh, so he is a humongous piece of shit. Uh, people like this are a huge reason why uh, we have 
you know, the gun laws we have now. They make it, you know, make dumbass decisions and make responsible gun owners look like pieces of shit. Uh, the next article comes to us from AP News. Uh, FBI background check blocked gun sale to St. Louis shooter. Now, this kind of ties back into what we were talking about earlier. The 19-year-old gunman who forced his way into a St. Louis school and killed two people uh, purchased the AR-15 style rifle from a private seller uh, after an FBI background check stopped him from buying a weapon from a licensed dealer. So I, I only talk about this story just because, you know, it doesn't have a lot of information, um, you know, that says that he bought it from a private seller legally in 2020. Um, police noted that Missouri doesn't have a red flag law aimed at keeping firearms away from people. And so as a result, police didn't have the right to seize the weapon when they went to the suspect's home uh, on the 15th. The mother called the police on the 15th because she found the gun and wanted it removed. The statement said someone known to the family was contacted and took possession of it. So I wonder if the family member took possession of the firearm, how was it used in the shooting itself? Uh, these are, you know, questions. Like I said, this article really does not give that much information. But, you know, I only bring this up just because of the fact that, you know, I put this out to all firearms that you need to be responsible, uh, be a responsible firearms owner. You don't want to be the person that sells a gun to somebody um, that could be potential, you know, uh, 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 I guess just a bad guy. I'm just going to say a bad guy because I'm not going to say gangbanger i'm not going to say a mental person or whatever just because um you know those i don't know the, the it's just a, a a general term bad guy you know you're not it, it could be any of those things and you know if you have a gut feeling on what is wrong uh with somebody as soon as you meet them to do a farm sale you know you can say no i mean you know, if you are in that bad of a spot for needing money, I'm sure, I promise you, there's another responsible gunner out there that wants to purchase that farm from you. So, you know, we just need to do better for ourselves and be more responsible so we don't end up in the crosshairs of the gun grabbers and the, uh, you know, anti-freedom politicians that want to take away our rights. And the last uh, article we're going to talk about in the main segment uh, comes to us from guns.com, and its title is Canada Liberal Government Freezes Handgun Market. Now, Justin Trudeau came on uh, and did a news conference uh, on this. Uh, He stated there was an immediate freeze on the sale, purchase, and transfer of lawfully owned handguns. And this obviously was first discussed uh, earlier this year when there was a bill proposed that proposed the strongest gun control measurements brought before Canada in 40 years. Uh, And even though the bill is still being debated in the Canadian Parliament, uh, Trudeau made the freeze official, uh, I guess through whatever their version of an executive order is. Uh, And he also coupled it with an arbitrary band uh, of, you know, made in August, which froze handgun imports from overseas so canada does not have a domestic consumer handgun industry so the market for pistols and resolver uh, revolvers in canada basically shut down and this basically made it to whatever guns that are available in canada are now illegal for you to sell or even give to a family member 
Uh, you know, if you have several handguns and you want to give a handgun to a family member so that way they can protect themselves, you would now be breaking the law in Canada. And I just don't understand how, you know, I'm obviously, you know, a little bit about Canada through school and, and my degrees and stuff like that. Uh, and I know that we have some Canadian listeners, but I'm telling you, can, you know, Canada really needs to vote more wisely. You know, I understand a lot of people said that they hate the two-party system here in the United States, uh, and I know Canada has multiple uh, parties, but, you know, I don't know if you need to elect leaders in those parties that are strong uh, firearms rights supporters. I don't know if you need to um, create a new political party that centers itself around the right of... uh, Canadians to own privately owned firearms, but something needs to happen in Canada. I mean, that is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, that's going to be in the, the news stories. Uh, I am going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, a uh, camping trip I got going on. I've talked about it previously uh, with hunting. Uh, bow season is now open where I live. Yeah, I have not made it bow hunting yet. Um, but I'm definitely going to be doing that, uh, now that, you know, I don't have family members that I have to take care of post-surgery, uh, you know, my family life is, you know, pretty well settling into my wife's new job that she has, which she, she works, uh, night shift now, so she works, you know, like, you know, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., so she sleeps a lot, and I got to take care of our four kids, uh, doing, during that time. Uh, that's one reason why I'm doing this late because all those little uh, tax credits are, are asleep now. <clears throat> so uh, I'm definitely going to be doing some camping. Uh, and, you know, I think that's something that we as gun owners, uh, you know, most gun owners are outdoorsy people. Uh, you know, we like to go outside. We like to go shooting. Um, we like to uh, experience the outdoors, whether it be hunting, target practicing, competitive shooting, uh, all of the above. Uh, but I'm just going to be going out and doing some camping uh, just to kind of clear my head and have some rest and relaxation. Uh, I'm making uh, myself a good camping knife right now uh, in my little forge that I have uh, to make my, you know, I won't, you know, not spend like $300 on, on a Topps knife, that, which is the knife style that I really want. Um, making it myself. Uh, just enjoying myself in the outdoors. And especially when I come back from my camping trip, we're probably you know when i get back from my camping trip or right before i go to my camping trip um i'm gonna be doing just a whole episode on camping and outdoors and kind of like uh survivalist i guess you could say because i mean i'm not gonna be like fucking bear grills but i'm definitely going to uh be doing primitive camping where i'm just going in there with uh, a pack uh, I'm going to be setting up uh, my own shelter through with like a poncho. Uh, you know, I was like in the army, so you know, you make myself my little hooch, um, and then trying to kill whatever I'm gonna eat. Uh, I'm gonna have some survival, so you know, some uh, survival rations in case I can't eat any, you know, find anything to kill. Uh, but I'm gonna be trying to, you know kill squirrels, rabbits, deer, go fishing, and that's what I'm going to be fucking eating when I go camping. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's definitely the nice time of year to where it's not like, you know, high 80s, 90s, even 100s. Uh, it's not 
fucking freezing at night, um, so I don't have to have like a, a below freezing uh, backpack or sleeping bag for me to sleep in. Uh, it's just going to be, you know, in the 40s to 50s. So this is like the perfect time of year in Alabama to go camping. Uh, be going to a national forest, you know, enjoy my tax dollars at work, uh, all the good stuff. So be looking forward to that particular episode and be talking more about it. Uh, coming up in the uh, gun gear news and reviews, uh, we're going to be talking about some camping equipment. So with that, let's go ahead and end the main segment and start getting into the gun gear. Hope everyone had a great Halloween, uh, but with Halloween over, uh, you, you know whether you like it or not, you got to start thinking about Christmas. So we're going to be talking about an article real quick uh, from Guns.com talking about stocking stuffers, 2022's budget-friendly gifts for hunters. Uh, you know, there's definitely some good uh, affordable rifle scopes. Uh, you know, there's Leupold, Bushnell, Simmons. Uh, also ammo, you know, definitely be looking for some good ammo. Uh, there's also a cool, uh, guns.com holiday long sleeve. Uh, that's pretty cool. I think I got an ugly sweater from LA police gear last year, uh, that I wore to uh, a Christmas party. Uh, you know, gun socks is another great thing that you can get for, uh, the gun person in your life. That's a good stocking stuffer, scope rings, uh, definitely don't want to cheap out on those, but you can get some quality uh, ghost or scope scope rings from like Vortex, Swamp Fox Optics, that kind of stuff. Always get a good hunting knife. Like I said, I'm making, uh, I'm forging my own knife right now. Uh, that I want. Uh, I'm making a Tom Brown tracker style knife. Uh, definitely uh, a good knife is good for the outdoorsman in your life. Uh, you know, there's K-Bar, there's CRKT, there's Kershaw, um, there's Gerber. You know, the sky's the limit when it comes to knife, but you don't have to spend more than $40 to get just a good pocket knife uh, that could please the person uh, in your life. There's Magpul Shades. Uh, I, I personally fucking love Magpul. Uh, now, their sunglasses are a tad expensive. I remember when they first came out, I think they were like around like 60 or 70 bucks, but fuck, the now they're like 140 uh, for this particular pair that they're talking about in this article. Uh, shit for that. You might as well get like a pair of Oakleys or something. Uh, so that's going to be, you know, some of the, the uh, gift idea guides, I guess you could say. And we're going to be talking more every episode leading up to... Uh, Christmas and especially Black Friday. Uh, we normally have a pretty good uh, episode on before Black Friday discussing all the good sales that are coming out. Next article from the Farms blog talks about Anderson Manufacturing's new Kiger 9C compact pistol. Uh, this is basically just a Glock 19 copy, but it actually comes from Anderson Manufacturing. Yes, you've heard that right. Anderson Manufacturing is now in handgun world, uh, but this is something that I thought was 
a bit crazy. Uh, its MSRP is 429. You can get yourself the PSA dagger for about a hundred bucks cheaper. So I don't know what Anderson Manufacturing was thinking when they were making this, uh, but they definitely missed the price point on. And then also when you're talking about Anderson Manufacturing, there's just been a whole litany of uh, you know quality control issues with the AR-15 rifles and especially their lowers. Uh, definitely not the worst, but, you know, they have it enough to where they had a, a you know, they picked up a, a reputation on it. So I can imagine what their pistols are like. Next article from the Farms blog, Mantis unveils the new Black Bar, Blackbeard X AR training platform. Now I've, you know, I'm just going to say like, there are several companies that I just can like simp out for just because I love the products. Uh, Magpul's one, uh, Avid, uh, Real Avid is another one, and then Blackbeard, Mantis, well, anything Mantis uh, is another one. So I love Mantis products. Um, I have their handgun trainer, and I have one of the original Blackbeards that they sent me to do a, a T&E on. And this one is great. It's, you know, the original uh, Blackbeard, uh, the magazine battery pack was about the size of a 20-round magazine. These are about the size of a 30-round magazine. And what this does is it combines the, the two training platforms, the Blackbeard and the original Mantis. And uh, you can have, uh, you know, a laser shooting out, and it gives you feedback from the Mantis app. So this is really cool. Uh, the feedback, you know, the Blackbeard X with the feedback uh, costs 319 which is a little high, but it's not too high for what you get, in my opinion. Um, I love my Blackbeard. Uh, and I definitely would like to maybe sell that one and get this one uh, or maybe just be a glutton for punishment and get both. Next article from the Farms blog talks about the new Holosun PID series of weapon lights. And this is pretty interesting. Um, you know, I like Holosun optics for my handgun. Uh, you know, I went to a couple of RDS classes this summer and uh, one of them was a kind of a very introductory um, class for RDS, uh, just because I'm still was still kind of new into them, and I wanted to get like proper introduction, and then also uh, be able to. It was like an introduction class for instructors, so uh, there was a lot of instructors there, and a lot of instructors were getting into um, RDS themselves. So they, uh, you know, a lot of people were shooting uh, Trichicons and I was like, you know, they're having issues trying to find the dot whenever they came up on presentation, which, you know, obviously that can be fixed a lot with uh, just training, drawing from the holster. But I let them uh, draw the, from the holster with my Holosun and they like the reticle uh, on the Holosun a lot better than the Trichicon just because it's easier to find. Anyway, so I went on that to say this. Um, I... I'm interested in these. Uh, the price points are honestly not that bad. If I remember correctly, the price uh, was around... Yeah, here we go. Uh, the PID, which is a high-power compact light, 1,000 lumens is 135 MSRP. Um, the high Candela compact light uh, is 42,000 Candela, but it's only 800 lumens. And then this is what I really like. 
um, which is the high power white light with visible green laser and infrared laser for 282. So now infrared uh, is a huge thing for night vision and that is something I'm definitely got in my future. So uh, I'm looking forward, you know, that's really not that bad of a price for an IR laser. Uh, and the runtime is not that bad. On low, you're looking at 60 minutes. Um, and it comes with batteries, which can be recharged with a magnetic charging cable. Now, on Holosun's website, it says that these can be used with a wide variety of already holsters that are out there. Um, but looking at them, I'm assuming that they probably work with Enforce lights, maybe. I'm not sure. That's one thing that the website did not say. Uh, so I'm interested to see what it can be used for. Uh, the next article comes just from the Farms blog. It's uh, about the new Boker Plus shovel M1874, uh, based off a German field shovel. Um, this is interesting just because I've been looking at a good shovel uh, with a fixed handle and a sharp edge. Uh, these can have sharp edges. Um, I was looking at getting the Cold Steel Spetsnaz shovel, um, but you know. This one is 8745. Uh, the Cold Steel Spetsnet shovel is 35, I think is what it is. Uh, so a little bit higher. Um, so I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, the next thing is uh, from the Farms blog as well. New Magpul BDA AR-15 arm brace. Now I thought this was really interesting just because of the fact that I'm really glad to see Magpul, a very large company, uh, go ahead and still making arm braces because of you know the ATFs threatening to come down with a new rule making uh, AR pistols with braces, SBRs. Um, but this thing is ugly as shit. It looks like uh, the old blade uh, arm brace, if you remember what those are. And uh, looks like it still uses a rifle buffer tube and these MSRP for $60. So, I like the effort, don't like the execution, though. Uh, next article, also from Ameland. I'm sorry, God, I said Ameland, the farms block. Uh, Lead and Steel introduces their new Promethean LP1 duty grade RDS. Now, I'm all about RDSs now, uh, just because uh, that's the wave of the future, is RDSs for, you know... Uh, CQB style rifles and, and stuff like that and uh, this is very similar to the EOTech XPS lineup uh, it's got an aluminum crumple hood to make it uh, duty grade, it says duty grade uh, but it's being uh, available for pre-order and it's supposed to be shipping quarter one 2022 uh, which is already now but uh, it doesn't say that you know I don't know why they said that. That this isn't even an old article. Um, but now the price uh, for the pre-order is two seventy-five, uh, and after the uh, pre-order, it's going up to three fifty. And this, I guess, that might have been a, a typo because it says until quarter one, twenty twenty-three, which is when they're supposed to be shipping. So I guess the first part was just a, a fuck up, but it's basically the same uh, art, uh, reticle as a uh, EOTech. So, but honestly, you know, I think with that kind of money, I think I'd much rather have. Maybe it's just me. 
Uh, Farms blog talking about revision military's new IVIS vision enhancement ballistic wear. Uh, iPro is a big thing. Uh, you know, I was just out there forging my blade. Uh, I had some iPro. Uh, I use iPro a lot whenever I'm doing shooting or any sort of machine work kind of stuff. Uh, this particular uh, iPro is supposed to. Uh, if you're familiar with like Oakley, they have something very similar to where it's basically a red lens. And it's supposed to show color more. Uh, so it's supposed to be easier to see things, I guess, you know. Uh, so like if you're like a um, like a precision rifle shooter, that kind of thing, this could be something that, you know, you might be interested in. Uh, or, you know, if you're a competition shooter especially, this is something that, you know, it's supposed to help you see more color and more contrast uh, and all that good stuff. Uh, in regards to the MSRP, because sometimes this stuff can get pretty pricey. This is a long-ass motherfucking article with a lot of pictures. doesn't say. So, my bad. Thank you for coming with me along this journey. Uh, the next thing, this is old shit, but we're still going to talk about it just because it came out when I was supposed to do the last episode. Uh, Smith & Wesson, Smith & Wesson introduces M&P9. 2.0 metal frame. Uh, this is something cool for Smith & Wesson fanboys, but basically they're charging an extra, you know, $250 to $300 for this metal frame gun over their polymer frame gun, and I just don't see the value in that, personally. I think that they kind of missed the mark on this. Uh, you know, I like Smith & Wesson guns. They are very ergonomic. They are the guns that feel the best in my hand. I don't shoot with them the best just because of the fact that, um, you know, I don't put a lot of rounds through it. But uh, it's a, a pretty cool gun. I like it. Um, but like I said, in regards to, uh, you know, that particular thing, I'm not a, a huge fan of it. Anyway, so with that, let's go ahead and start wrapping up the Gun Gear News and Reviews and start getting into the gun culture segment and wrapping the show up. So on uh, this episode of the gun culture segment, uh, we're going to talk about All Quiet on the Western, which is a new firearm. Uh, God damn it. A new fire. God, I'm still just fucking up my words. A new movie. There we go. A new movie on Netflix that is pretty badass in my opinion. I read the All Quiet on the Western Front um, in high school. And uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I, that did not change when it came to this movie. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it was, if you're not familiar with what All Quiet on the Western Front is, it is a movie about World War One on, obviously, the Western Front, which is the front with uh, France, Britain, the United States eventually, and uh, it is just an amazing tale of a 
young German soldier that just kind of basically became disillusioned with the war and, um, you know, just got fucked up, man. It showed just, like, the brutality of the war. It showed how, uh, you know, trench warfare was just absolutely brutal uh, and all that good stuff, and it was just wild, man. It was fucking wild. And just how, uh, you know, somebody can can go through a lot and then just, you know, get absolutely fucked at the end. I'm not going to ruin it, but just get absolutely fucked at the end. Anyway, so, uh, obviously the main two sides that were in the, uh, war in this movie was the German empire and the French third Republic. And, uh, because it was mainly over, you know, showed the German side, uh, you saw a lot of really cool, um, you know, Mauser 98s, uh, they called it, you know, the official name of it is the Seitenberger, uh, 8498, um, and they also had a Luger pistol in there, uh, pretty cool. They also had a... Um, a, uh, what am I trying to say? It's actually, that's, I'm sorry, the Steitenberger, uh, that was the title of the bayonet, but, you know, they had a lot of Mauser 98s, um, a Gore 98, uh, was in there, uh, a, you know, Luger P08, I think is what it is, uh, and then, of course, they had some French rifles, uh, they had, uh, the Lee Metford, uh, which was actually a British rifle, uh, but it was used a lot by uh, some in the by the French side because of the alliance between Britain and France at the time. Uh, there was also uh, a Kropotchik rifle, and I'm sorry for fucking all these names up. Uh, it was very similar to the Mauser 98, uh, and then also something that was really cool in there was the Ruby pistol, which is a 32 ACP pistol that you saw there towards the end. Uh, you also saw, uh, a Maxim machine gun in there. Um, and, uh, I think that was the majority of it, but I think uh, if you're into uh, war movies, if you're into historical pieces, if you are into drama, if you are into guns, I definitely need to check it out. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is available on Netflix now, and it was really good. A really good movie. Well, So let's go ahead and wrap up the gun culture segment and get to the end of the show. show uh, i greatly appreciate you listening into another episode of to a lifestyle uh, like i said go ahead and check out our social medias everywhere the number two a lifestyle except for instagram two is spelled out please check out our patreon anything you guys give us is greatly appreciated it goes directly back into the podcast you can check us out on patreon at two a lifestyle podcast 
Uh, and also hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this. That's the best way to keep up with new episodes as they're coming out. And please leave us a review if you can, wherever you're listening to this podcast. That's the best way for people to find us when they're looking for new gun-related content. Uh, also, if you have friends that listen to podcasts, and if you have friends that are interested in guns, there is a little share link uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast that you can send them a copy of this episode, and they can check us out. So I greatly appreciate it if you could do that for us. Uh, but until then, y'all, and keep on enjoying that 2A lifestyle, and I will see you guys in two weeks. Show me the